chaos is everywhere. Okay, we're back, everybody. Hopefully you ever get to hear this, because, man, I hate this app right now. But that's not the point. The point is I like doing this, and I want to keep doing it. If I have to start a YouTube fucking channel, I will, because I want to keep doing this. All right, not your problem. We're at 23.53. Here we go. We're going to play in 3, 2, 1, play. I mean, I hope we do get an update on Tataka's condition in the hour, because... The man could be blinded. We're, we're very aware of that. Virgil would like some revenge. Um, I think, because I'm not 100% sure, this is a time period that I'm not as aware of as I would like to be, which is another reason I do this. Oh, I like that Virgil's V in his, like, graphic, which everybody in the graphic now is just the check mark. It's, it's weird, but okay. Uh, but I think Virgil's vengeance comes into play because building up to WrestleMania, Sid was just taking people out, tr trying to get to Hogan. It's one of the earliest storylines that I remember and pr might even predate my WrestleMania 9 memory depending on how I saw it. But I feel like I saw it on TV, so it might be the earliest I have. Um, but I think Virgil was the, one of the named victims. Usually it was jobbers on Superstars, but I think Virgil actually was one of the named people that got beat up by Sid. So now they're just, you know, now Virgil wants vengeance for what Sid did to him. Yeah, well, people are getting the wrong impression about MJ Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels in 1982 conceded. Come on, everybody. Let's be realistic here. It's called jealousy. Yeah. I like that they, um, oh yeah, we're definitely going to SummerSlam because this is, I believe, what? No. No, because, yeah, the model has to fight Tataka. Yeah, it's got to be SummerSlam because we're in April, so the next one will be August or whatever the fuck SummerSlam is. But yeah, we're also building towards an Intercontinental title match, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, but I don't think we ever get to see that. Well, Tatanka, you gotta let them like wash out your eyes with saline. I mean, I don't like saline or anything near my eyes either, but you gotta let them do it. Woo, here we go. Money Incorporated. Money, 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 money. Man, they held those titles for a long time. 
remember, I don't remember how or when exactly uh, Jimmy Hart betrayed the natural disasters, which I think he betrayed the Nasty Boys to betray the natural disasters. So, like, he just stuck with the titles for a while. I don't think that was the Million Dollar Man toy, but it was the same line of Million Dollar Man toys that I had. Anyway, um, I think he betrayed the natural disasters for Money, Inc., and then he eventually betrays Money, Inc. for Hogan at WrestleMania 9. But Hogan doesn't win the title. I'm trying to remember who eventually beats them. It's like in 1983. Might be the Steiner Brothers. I think. Because like the Steiner Brothers do have a, a run. And they're the only face team that I can think of. Because I think the, no, the Hedgebrinkers are later. Yeah, it's got to be the Steiners. I think that eventually beat when incorporated. Okay, here we go. Ray Wyatt and Ted DiBiase Jr.'s the dad. Oh. Erwin R. Scheister will not let the tax sheets win. I wonder, I don't really know the actual like story behind why they decided to put DiBiase in a tag team. He never got his blow off of Hogan. In fact, as I mentioned on a WrestleMania 9 show, the only time we ever got to see them on pay-per-view in the same ring uh, was WrestleMania 9. There was a tag match, which is just bananas when you think about how much like DiBiase was the biggest heel. They never had a payoff at a WrestleMania Wonder, like, because from all reports, like Vince really loved the Ted DiBiase, what Ted DiBiase did. Everybody always says that like Vince would have given himself the Million Dollar Man character if he was going to give himself a character, and um, kind of did later on. Actually, Mr. McMahon could be seen as like a more quote unquote realistic version of the Million Dollar Man. But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know why we never got that payoff Hogan. I bet you because of the way. It worked back then. If you were watching, like if you got to go to the show when they came around to the A Town during that era, I'm sure you saw the blow off of a. By the way, no need to knock off the other opponent. Like he's like, no, no, I'm not going in there. That clothesline uh, looked painful, and I don't want to get clotheslined by Erwin Archester. I won't do it. Can't make me. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you got to see the blow-off of Hogan versus DiBiase. I, that must have happened a few times on the loop. And it would have been a clean win because that was the whole point. That's where you got to see the clean win, the one, two, three. Ah, yes, the real main event of WrestleMania eight: Savage versus uh, Ric Flair. They did bill it as a double main event, but, like, of course, Hogan has to pose at the end, so he got to be the last match. But I would say if you're going to pick one match to watch, well, there's two that are in contention. You either watch Bret Hart versus um, Roddy Piper or you watch Ric Flair versus Randy Savage. What's interesting about both of those that I just realized I never thought about before, only two matches, especially for the era, that had blood in them. So, oh, here we go. There he is. There is the man that is too 
hot to hold and too cold. I, I can't do this stuff. I can't do stuff justice. Too cold to hold, too hot to... Oh, I know there's another part to that. I mean, I could do the cream rises to the top one, but that's not the one I was thinking of. I've pointed this out many times. It's a real shame. Like, it is what it is. He made his money. But I wish we lived in an alternate world, especially how much of a piece of shit Hogan became. Or was always, but just we became aware of. Sorry, I'm a little bitter. I was a Hulkamaniac. But I wish we lived in a world where Savage got a better push. Because besides that one really weird rumor that I've never heard corroborated by anybody that would really know. Um, and if it's true, obviously it completely destroys him too. And as we all know, Mick Foley is the only true good person in wrestling. Um, but besides that, you know, just Savage is a much better per, like role model, I think, as far as like wrestlers of this era. But if that is but again, if that is true, then of course that goes out the window. But I've heard it from people. I've just never, like, for one, I've never heard it from Stephanie McMahon saying, oh, yeah, no, that was inappropriate, whatever. And it would, and it, honestly, there's just a lot that doesn't add up if that's the reason that he got let go. Is that, like, if you um, go back to the last, like, Raw after he left, actually, like it was the last Raw after Savage left, McMahon on air like took time to you know say his goodbyes to Randy Savage. Like I feel like if that what was accused of an inappropriate relationship had happened, I don't see McMahon or anybody else ever really feeling okay being like, oh yeah, no, he's a good guy on TV. It doesn't mean. Excuse me, I'm recording this very late. It doesn't um, doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means it's not. I it wouldn't make sense to me. Yeah. Still to come, the match we've all been waiting for: Ultimate Warrior versus Skinner. <laughs> that kid is so fucking happy. Guys, LOD shoulder pads, just delightful. Oh my god, it's Kona Crush, who apparently was, of course, was a white pick fucking fence behind him. Because even in Hawaii, there's the American dream. Oh, Crush is so strong. He crushed the ball. That's why I couldn't play baseball. I don't have anything bad against this version of Crush, and I don't even have anything bad against the other version. I just. I don't know what, what what he never found what worked for him. For me, the thing I remember that worked the best was like the last thing he got to do on the main main stage of wrestling, which was the um, uh, the Chronic with uh, Brian Adams, and I think that was actually Brian Adams' best thing too. I'm not saying it was like the best thing ever. I'm saying for the two of them, if you go back over their gimmicks, which were all 
lot of misses and occasional okay hits. I think Chronic was actually pretty decent. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about, um, I think they're called High Energy. I wanted to call them the new foundation, but no, that's Brad or Owen Hart and uh, Jim Nyhart. This is uh, Coco Beware and uh, Owen. I do like High Energy. This is this is the uh, the Lucha Brothers of their day. This is the Young Bucks right here. And I'm not exaggerating, by the way. They're both <laughs> for the time, especially Owen. On our control in the wrist, got some good wrist control. That's, I think, more offense than we've seen out of any other jobber. Jesus. Oh, and it's 92. You don't. It's so early on. By the way, I was going to make fun of him not landing the monkey flip, like, flat. But the way he landed, actually, it's pretty impressive if you think about it. Like, landing on your knees and then being, like, up immediately. That's pretty cool. Look at you, Frankie. You tell them all about it, Frankie. I wonder if anybody out there has a uh, like a really good memory of high energy as a tag team. Because I don't think they lasted very long. Pretty sure. I don't know the whole story about it, but I'm pretty sure. I don't even know when, but I think it had to have been before the end of 1992. Coco's out and Nyhart comes back in for the new foundation. Which I I remember fondly as a tag team as well. Oh my god, we actually got some partner interference here. By the way, I think that's Gilbert. I didn't look at the name because I can't always recognize them, but I'm pretty sure that's Gilbert. It's one of the guys that Get, was just around forever as a jobber and did get some TV time. I think that must be Gilbert. Nice drop kicks. That was some high energy offense. Oh, Coco. I love you, Coco. Ooh, Owen got him right in the fucking face. <laughs> that was a that was a missile dropkick for a missile dropkick. Guys, I'm sorry to say the number has probably been deactivated, although they haven't put the little thing over it. I don't think you can get tickets to the WBF. Why are you fucking Vince? I'm not really the owner. I'm just the fucking announcer, but I'll be in the fucking commercial for the uh, bodybuilding league because look at me. Ugh. You don't pay enough fucking people to have good bodies. All right, we're finally at the main event. Skinner, charming as ever. My dad had a friend uh, whose nickname was Skinner, and 
I forget what he told me, but I'm sure he told me some funny stories about how he knew Skinner or something. I think Skinner might fall into one of the early, um, early examples of the gimmick that is a uh, is more of a job than anything else. Like, yeah, he's a Bayou man, but it's more about that he's like an animal trapper, basically. Like, that's the story. And, of course, Skinner very soon will become uh, Doink the Clown, which is a much better gimmick for him and was a much better gimmick of the time because he is the he's Matt Bourne. He is the, what I would say, uh, uh, the other guy was good as Doink, too, but the one that had the potential to be a big star. Like the other dork, I think, got to the level he was going to get to. Matt Bourne's dork, I've said before, had a chance to be, if not a world champion, at least someone that I could see being a contender, especially for the era. But he's just got to fight the Ultimate Warrior, which, I mean, as you can probably tell, is, oh, Jesus, that was, that was good fucking stuff with the... the the front row gets like showered in tobacco, chewing tobacco as the water throws him into the corner. And the, like, it's been well documented, but I have to think that at this point, you'd have to be like, man, can't I just be a jobber with like fucking Ray Trailer, who I know will take care of me, well, instead of fucking fighting Warrior? For a warrior match, this has actually gone on quite a while. Like, it's not a squash match because Skinner's a named guy, but, like, usually even with named guys, warrior doesn't go this long. Although, if you believe the conspiracy theory, that's not the warrior. That, of course, is some other guy that they brought back because the real warrior died or some bullshit. Now, there you go. One, two, three... Dun 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 Jesus. Yep, great face work there, warrior. Also, like, especially because you would assume Warrior did that as revenge for Skinner spitting at him, but you can see that Skinner spit at his chest. He didn't spit in his face. I think that's pretty much the end of the night. Um, if I had to guess, they're probably just going to do some more interviews and stuff, but we can check them out here. Oh, the Beverly Brothers with the late great genius who, oh man, I need to go back and uh, like really, really get into the genius because like I'm aware of him and I always thought he was cool, but he, his tenure as a manager was over before I was really 
at least before I could remember wrestling. I was probably watching, but I don't, like, as I've said before, I don't remember stuff from this era or before. And it was obviously before that he was even more prominent. Also, is he wearing eyeliner? Not that I'm judging, just his eyes look very, very manicured in that uh, interview there with the Beverly Brothers, who have one of the, like, most simple but sickest finishes of any tag team of this era, including the Doomsday device. Hello, Sergeant Slaughter. This is this is after the whole Iraqi thing. We're back to um, good old U.S. of A. Sergeant Slaughter. I actually don't know how, because again, I wasn't aware of week to week. I wonder how they did that. Like after he, like, how did he break up with Iraq, basically? Because it was a short-ass war, so it wasn't like that stayed relevant for very long. But I, I, I should go back and look that up, too, just to see, like, like what promos they did or whatever they did to make Sergeant Slaughter back into a good guy. We'll be back with more after this. I guess there will be another match. I felt like, oh no, it's just there coming up next week. So next week we got Ric Flair versus Sergeant Slaughter. That'll be a good match in TV land, I guess. You scum, you slam, you slept with my wife. <laughs> it just gets really southern and really fucking carny all of a sudden. Uh, I'm going to assume that Ric Flair is going to win that match if I had to put money on it. It's it's definitely, eh, I won't say closer, it's definitely more like less one-sided than Warrior and Skinner. Because they are both former world champions at this point in WWF more. But yeah, Sarge is definitely on his way down, so I doubt it. Plus, there's no real story reason for him to have been. But to be fair, Rick's on his way out too. Eh. I'm going to, yeah, because like the, the next like big storyline that Rick gets through is fucking with Mr. Perfect, and it's the end, one that ends his time in the WF until, you know, 2002, 2001, whenever it comes back. All right, there it is. I don't know if you guys will ever hear this episode because, well, the Anchor app is really, really gone downhill. Um, if you do, uh, great. I will, I'm going to be so happy. This will probably come out a little bit later because even as I speak, I've checked the other two parts of the recording I've done and they're not loading as fast as I would like. Uh, so this will come out um, whenever that happens, basically. Let me see. What are we going to... If if everything works out and we can actually do this shit next week, uh, we have Chaos at the Final Frontier, where we're going to watch Voyager, um, which will be the episode... What episode was it? Give me, like... Uh, 
sorry, everybody. It's just me being tired. I can't always remember what we're doing. Uh, let's see. Voyager. Investigations. Um, oh, it's the episode where Tom Paris leaves Voyager uh, finally after weeks of being built up of all this tension with him and Jacote. It's a good episode. And then Wednesday will be Chaos Ringside, which if I'm doing my math correctly, should be the predictions for Supercard of Honor, um, which will also be very fun and exciting. Uh, yeah, and we'll, like we're going to do predictions and talk about everything that's happening wrestling all in one episode for you, uh, mostly because Supercard of Honor is on Friday, so there's no point in recording two. If none of that shows up, it's because I couldn't figure out a way to record with Mr. Vice. Uh, I hope it shows up. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely very sad. I know this has never been very successful. I know there's not a lot of you out there that listen to this, but I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed what it's allowed me to do. It'll be very sad for me if it's the, if the decision is taken out of my hands to stop doing this. If it's not me that decides that it's over, if it's a fucking app that chooses not to work, that decides when it's over. That's that's pretty shitty. I mean, I guess I should be grateful that I had the opportunity at all, but I don't know. Just feels shitty if that happens. Eh, if it does, we will definitely look into different avenues to continue the show. But I don't know if I'll ever be able to get the same coverage that I currently have because the app at the beginning at least did allow us to be on a lot of different platforms. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope this gets released. I hope everybody enjoys it. And um, I hope to see you next week. Uh, we'll see you soon, everybody. And in case this is the last, deuces.